Good morning, Remy. Good morning, Breck. Another early morning. It is. And we're here and we're doing all the things. Look at us. It's bright and early. I'm drinking my lemon water this morning because I think I'm getting sick. Ew. And you can't afford to be sick because you have a show this weekend. Yeah, we have a show this weekend. We have a big show next weekend. You know, it's just... Uh... And you had one last weekend, so yeah. the fun never ends. I'm going to make up for the, the month that we took off to go on vacation. So. Um, what was I going to say? You guys have a show coming up, though, too, right? This weekend? Yeah, we have a show this weekend. Uh, Tapian Cowgirl is next weekend. And um, I just hope and pray everything goes well with the Tapia and Cowgirl. Uh, I had so much interest, Remy. And then I don't know if people aren't used to pre-registering or what, but so I'm just going to go with it, not really worry about it and see who shows up. <laughs> yeah. I, so we used to always pre-enter for pennings too. Like you'd have to send in your money early. You have to do everything so you knew like exactly how many cattle you needed. Cattle you needed, yeah. Like you knew how much <laughs> how many stalls you had to have built. And now I think the only place where we pre-register all of our teams is Calgary. So as a producer, I really would like everyone else to pre-enter. It would make my life a lot easier. Well, yeah, because it takes like all the guesswork out of it, right? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the pre-entry for me or pre-registry is just makes life easier. Helps me be more prepared on top of things ahead of the game. I like all of those things. So, but we'll see what happens. Um, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. It'll be fun no matter what happens. So, um, it was my birthday weekend this weekend. It was your birthday. I forgot about that. I mean, I posted something about that and I texted you, but it was. Yes. Your so how, yes. how was your birthday weekend? I mean, you spent it at a team penning, so. I did. I did. Yeah. No, it was, it was good. Um, so we're not like super big on events like that. Like we don't, there's like no lavish presence or lavish, like, um, I don't know. We just don't do like extravagant things for, does that make sense? I don't know. Yeah. It's, we never have. So, and it was, it's, it was good. It was a good day. And, um, I didn't lose my shit on my children. I call that a win. Uh, yeah, it was fun. I mean, you even sent one away from you the next day. I did. Oh, win. Yeah. I got a little break so I could go to Costco. Have you been? I've been to Costco. I am not a Costco person. My mom was a Costco person. I don't like it. I don't like to buy in bulk. I love it. I, I, think I, think, I think the important part for me is like, I only need this. And then, you know, you still spend a thousand dollars and I have enough toilet paper and paper towels and paper plates to last me for like 10 years. So, yeah. Um, I want everything when it comes to the food. I just want to try a little bit of everything. It just all looks so delish. And like, I haven't found anything that I really don't like from there yet. No, it's really good. And their meat used to be pretty cheap. Like it was always really good meat and then their meat got more expensive. So, you know. Yeah, I I don't know. Um, oh, 
uh, this is lit. Maybe I'm the only one who thinks this is funny, but I just think it's so damn funny because I'm a huge egg eater. I eat a lot of eggs. I love eggs and they have gotten so expensive. And now I'm not folks. I'm not going to quit eating eggs because they've gone up. But, um, what I love is like all the memes that go with the egg deal right now. Have you seen the one that's like this hot chick and she's like, it says like Adriana 29 and she's in the pool and she's kissing this old guy and it says egg farmer and they <laughs> met on farmers only. <laughs> I'm like, well, I mean, it is like kind of a tragedy how they got to where they are today with the egg prices because of the bird flu. But, um, I think the egg meats are hilarious. No, well, it's like we had, um, I went to the fall festival with Kyle. We'd given out some business cards for an egg service, right? And all these people were, oh man, that's too much for eggs. And we we're asking like $5 a dozen. Well, yeah, in California, they're probably like $12 a dozen. Yeah, right? Like $8.99 or something like that. Six, it depends on where you go, like $6.99. And I was like, we're still cheaper than everyone else. And like, you guys all want like pastured free range eggs and that's what they are. So then I got like four phone calls this week. I was like, oh. You're gonna need more chickens. <laughs> oh God, no! We have so many, so many chickens, so many chickens. I'm not a bird fan. I'm not either. They freak me out. I mean, I love birds. I don't like chickens. So, yeah, I think they're kind of nasty. I like so, to. I like to look at birds. I don't want them like in my space. No, me neither. Um, <clears throat> the rain continues. Yes, uh, uh, James went to go check pastures because a trickle of a creek is now like 10 to 12 feet wide, so. Isn't it just crazy? Yeah, we probably won't get any more rain for the rest of the year in California. That's a little out there for us. I mean, it's just like, it's so wild to me to see all of the rain that these dry places have been getting just in the last two months. It's a lot of moisture and more moisture than they get in a year's yeah. time. Northern California got their whole rainfall average already. So it's just crazy. But you'll be able to have your show this weekend. Yeah. So our, our show this weekend is up under the covered arena that's north of us, just like 20, 30 minutes. And then we will bring in all the sand for not Avi. So it'll be good. Nice. I can ride right now. I just don't, I'm not riding in the arena because I don't want to break the seal and mess up all the work that James did. So yeah. you've got three weeks at this place. Is that right? It'll be two. It'll be two weeks. And then we're, we're back here next weekend. So, Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we had more rain over the weekend and um, the rock is doing his job. So that is good. We spent all the money on the rock and the rock is, I mean, you can go through our whole property now, which you couldn't before the rock. Uh, the arenas are good, but just to get everything dried up for parking wise now. It's yeah. crazy though. It's an, it'll be an adventure. It'll be fine. Everything's oh fine. yeah. If this is the worst of it, Remy, we can handle this. I know it's a, uh... And we do, we need the, we need the rain so badly out here, but it's, uh, I would like it like a little more spaced out is all it is. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to have to start mowing lawn here pretty soon if it doesn't quit raining. Well, you know, it already got started after being flood irrigated last summer. So. Yeah. 
Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Coffee with the Cowgirls. I'm Brett Kruger. And I'm Remy Greer. Um, and today we're going to talk about rising above or um, working on not letting your past define you, something like that, along those lines. Speaking of, well, I got a really nice email from Amy Morris, I believe, uh, last week after our last chat. And she was just reaching out because she's like, I heard that in your podcast that you talked about, you know, maybe potentially thinking about pausing it for a little bit. But I just want you to know, I don't want you to do that because it's really helped me. And I'm, um, it was just a really good one. And so nice, big thank you and shout out to her for, do you know her? I don't know her. I sent you the one from another friend of mine that listens and um, he and his daughter both listen to it. And he was saying, that's what I needed to hear. He's like, because his, you know, his wife is not making money right now through no fault of her own. And so his answer is to work harder. And she's like, well, you can't just keep working harder. He's like, I don't know what else to do. So I'm going to keep working harder. And so he's like, I just, I needed to hear it from someone else that it's not the worst thing in the world just to put your head down and go to work. Ooh, so he likes our new hashtag, keep working. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's good to hear those words from others, like that the conversations mean something. So yeah, neither here nor there. Uh, the reason that we got on today's topic or how today's topic got brought up is because of Mr. Rodney Hammerstrom. Now, do you know Rodney? Uh, yes. I met him at Soaring in Arizona, maybe. Yeah, actually, I think that they were down here a few years back. Yeah. Um, Rodney and his mom and dad, Daryl and Barb Hammerstrom, are from South Dakota. Really, really good, cool, down-to-earth Midwest people who always have time for a chat, would help you out in a pinch. Um, I've known them for years, I, but I didn't really know Rodney's story. Um, and Rodney's story is right, I think it was his senior year. I think so. Uh, senior year of high school, he was really big into high school rodeo. That's what the Hammerstrong family did was rodeo. And um, he was an all around cowboy, I believe. He was out riding colts in a pasture when it was cold and he got bucked off or the horse fell on him. I'm not really sure what happened, but anyhow, he laid out there for a long time um, and was badly hurt. He ended up with a traumatic brain injury from the accident <clears throat> and the odds were definitely stacked against Rodney uh, to live, walk do the things, um, but he has a very big heart and strength for Christ, and he put everything into that and kept working hard to rehab himself to be able to ride a horse again, and this is somebody that they said would never walk, and he did it. Um, he, he started riding horse and actually sorting. They yeah, found he won the won a world championship last year at RSNC finals, and it. I was there for it. I think he won the eleven two. It was a ranch and class, and he won. I can't remember which one, but 
I was there for it. And it was extremely emotional. Like, I'm pretty sure that there wasn't a dry high in the house when it happened. And it's just because Rodney is such a good guy and uh, has worked so hard for it. And I get kind of a little choked up talking about it because it just is. I mean, I have so much appreciation for the Hammerstrom family, but I have a lot of appreciation for Rodney's horse because Rodney gets tremors really bad. So he will shake. And when he shakes and he's holding on to the reins, it affects his horse and he can't control it. Not many horses would take that Remy. Very few. And Rodney's horse does. And, um, if you, if you just, seen it in person if you if you i mean it's just something my my family was there my sister and my mom and dad and they were all bawling i mean and my sister's become a big follower of rodney now because he's also um rodney does a lot of professional speaking or motivational speaking uh it just is something <clears throat> it's something so I said to Remy, because Piranha came out with a whole video of Rodney and his success from the ranch sorting, but more so it's Rodney's story of how he got to be where he is today and how he overcome all the obstacles to sit in a saddle again and ride. And I, I said, you know, that maybe is something that we should talk about because he used his story and for the good and he rose above what could have been because he could have definitely just sat back and let the world pass in front of him but he chose not to um and i think there are a lot of people in this world who let their story or their past define them and they let it hold them back instead of propel them forward so no i uh so on this, in the same kind of thing, the people that I used to work for as the, the reigning trainers I used to work for, their son was born with something called Dandy Walker syndrome. And it's the same thing. The doctor said he would never walk. He wouldn't be able to talk. He would, or if he, if he could communicate, he would be nonverbal. And, um, his parents are badass. and, you know, he walked, even though he walked and then he had, he had to walk with a walker, all these things, but it's the same thing instead of them passively taking the diagnosis they worked as hard as they could and unfortunately he ended up having other health complications and died a few years ago we have a grant bird memorial horse show out here but like um he would talk to you he would do you know he did all he went to school he did all these things that the doctors always said weren't going to happen but his parents just kept pushing and believing more for him than really what was a a truncated life sentence that he was born with. And, um, when you watch that kind of strength in anyone in Rodney for me and Mike and Christy, it's, it's, it's crazy to see someone or a family battle through that many battles and still stay happy and motivated and share their light with the world because you could just curl up and want nothing else and want to be around no one else. See, I get, um, Many, many years ago, we kind of, I don't know, 
the family who helps many people out or as many people as we can, or if somebody needs a hand, we're here. And it's always been that way. And there is a boy who, um, he bought his first horse from us when I think he was 14. And that's how we got to know him. And he started spending a lot of time with us because his mom was, uh, she was high-end drug dealer, meth addict. FBI had raided their house multiple times as a child. He was extremely used to it. And so we kind of took him in with us and he went to horse shows with us. He got to do a lot of things that I never got to do as a youth because we were trying to, you know, to give him a better something. Um, and he always used his story to not for the good. He used his story for the bad. Does that, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but like, you know, so it's like, it, it, so you can either be a victim, <laughs> right? And he was like, a victim of it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, a lot of people will use a will use it as leverage to get to curry favor or sympathy or get things. And that's what he was doing with it. Instead of using his story for the good and looking at like, well, my life might've been shit prior to this, or I had a really bad upbringing. I'm 14 and I'm with people getting to do what I love. Yeah. More, like I said, more opportunity than I ever had at that age. But he could never see that. All he wanted to see was where he came from and what he'd been through and could never focus on being grateful for where it had come. And he spent his whole life like that. Um, really don't have any contact with him now because he took the wrong path in life and we couldn't help him anymore. And I always struggled. Like, how can you not see the good. How, how can you not see, I mean, I've never been in his shoes, but boy, he had a second chance. I feel like, well, we had, uh, <clears throat> we took in, <clears throat> so I'm drinking lemon water. We, uh, took in one of James's brothers. Um, when we were first, uh, he'd been with us off and on when we were first married. He just, it was a combative environment for him at the house. His parents had split up and he really liked animals. He was super helpful. Like, and I, I really liked the kid a lot. Like I loved him. He was awesome. And he lived with us, like I said, off and on. And uh, one time we came home and he was staying with us. We used to live in a two bedroom apartment and his room was like really messy. And I'd asked him for a couple of days, like, please just clean it up. Like there's a two bedroom apartment. We can't have one room being dirty. And like, you know, I'd, I'd been the one that James and I had always defended him and I'd been the last one defending him against James. Like, Hey, it's just really rough for him at the house. And you know, there's all this mental turmoil and the parent parents are going through divorce and he's not a bad kid. Let's just, you know, let's show him how much better it can be. And he was good for a long time. And then we got in a fight over that. And James goes, look, if you don't like it here, you can leave. Like we're not holding you hostage. You're now old enough that you can leave, you know, because before that he'd been a minor and, um, so he left and he started going to school and he was doing awesome. Like it was great. Like that was like, he was doing, um, 
and you felt so good. You're like, yeah, you're like, you're like, okay, like it was a, it came out of another bad situation, right? We kind of had to blow up. We had to kick him out, but it was like the motivation he needed. And then um, he needed a place to stay again, and we needed someone to work for us. And we have a house in the back. And James goes, hey, come to work for me. I'll, you know, I'll pay you. You like the horses. You like the dogs. Like again, super helpful, very talented. And, uh, so he came to work for us and it was kind of the same path, right? Everything was good for a year or two. And then it wasn't. And, um, he just got really, he was, and he was angry, right? He was so angry about everything that had gone wrong, everything that had gone wrong for him. And the thing is, it hadn't gone any more wrong for him than it had for the rest of them. Right. Like it, they were all kind of dealing with the same things in their own way. And you have like, and James's family is, um, has, you know, everyone else deals with it in a different way, but he always looked for a reason for it to be like, why me? Poor me. The world is against me. And so the second time we had the blow up, James goes, look, you need to move out. You aren't doing what you're supposed to do and you're being disrespectful. And you know, there's some other problems. So he ended up moving out and then he came back and uh, stole stuff from us. And it was the same thing. It was like, and it was like, he stole some cash. He stole some petty things. And I know like the dumbest thing that I should not be mad about because he stole more cash than this was uh, my son had been given a birthday card with a hundred dollars in cash for my dad for his birthday. And he went into my room and took it out of the birthday card. And I was just like, you babysat that baby. Like you were here with him growing up. Like how horrible are you? And then James actually caught him stealing. We, we caught him. We filed charges. We did everything. And it was the same thing. We had another family member tell us we were ruining his life because we pressed charges. Well, we didn't know what else to, we didn't know what else to end. Yeah. But like, and what else do you do? You don't just look past it. Like this is behavior that's going to get him in trouble with other people and other and people if that you might, don't do something about it is only going to get worse. And so, um, you know, we don't really, ha- we don't have contact with him anymore, but we've heard through the grapevine that he's doing a lot better, that everything's good. And that's the same thing. It's like, so would you go back and not prosecute him? No, because he was one of those people that was always looking for a reason why life had dealt him a bad hand. Life deals a lot of people a bad hand. And they all don't turn into drug addicts and thieves or whatever, you know, or looking for, it's like, you know, you were saying that kid, a lot of people in that situation become manipulative, right? Because they know how to get ahead by using their story because they prey on the kindness of others. Yeah. And I, yeah, it's, it pisses me off. Like, and I, and I've never been in a bad situation like that. Like I, I don't, I don't have a past that was terrible, but I know a lot of other people who do have a past that was not great and it was awful and they rose above it and they used it to push and power them through to great things. They used their story to ignite their spirit, I guess, instead of hold them back. And I just don't understand how other people don't do that or can't do that or whatever. But yeah. And I think it's hard to like when you give someone the chance, right? Like when you try and be their person to help them through it and then they turn around and bite you because then you feel dumb. 
I mean, I feel dumb sometimes about helping people, but in the end of, like, at the end of the day, I still wouldn't have done anything different. We still would have brought him in. We still would have. Same. You know, and it's, uh, but you got to the point where I got like, and I had that conversation with him and I didn't because I hate confrontation. I hate it. But you got to the same point I did. And I just told him, I'm like, I know that you came from a shitty upbringing with maybe a mom who didn't love you, but I love my kids and I would do whatever I can to protect them. And by having you here now, I'm putting my kids at danger. And that's, and I'm doing it myself. I said, I can't have you here because I love my kids and I don't want anything bad to happen to them. So I'm sorry. Now I have to look out for my family. Yeah. And I mean, it was actually, so James had to have the final conversation and it was, it was, a, it was a bad thing because, you know, it was the same thing it was all this anger. And then he, there's so much anger and so much hurt. So you feel bad being, well, we felt bad being firm because we understand that he's hurting. We understand that he's angry, but at the same time, you know, you have, you do, you have to protect your family. So now he's protecting me as his wife. And I think I was right after I had Brayden. So we had two kids. But, you know, and he, like he was throwing it back and James was like, you don't think that I came from the same thing. I came from all the same thing and look at what I built. And, you know, it's just, I, I, I think you can, and look, the situation that they came out of is not horrible. Like, again, it's not some drug dealing deal. It's not, it's not poverty. It's not any of that. It's, you know, family turmoil that gives. And, and that's why I say that because it's like your your boy had a batter, uh, had a batter, had it worse, had it worse than, than a lot of other people. Right. But the situation with James's little brother was not horrible. It just wasn't comfortable. Yes. It was a bad situation because parents are splitting up, but that happens all the time. Right. And you see some people use setbacks as just a way to be the victim why the world hates them, why the world's against them. And then uh, it's, again, it's disheartening because you feel dumb a little bit because you're like, oh, I invested so much emotionally and mentally into you and you turned around and bit me. I didn't ever feel dumb about it. I felt super bad. I will say that, like, because we tried really hard. Like, we really tried. But at the end of the day, it didn't matter what we did because... I don't know. We could want it for him all he wanted. He had to want it for himself. And it just came down to protecting my family, our family, because we both felt the same way. Like we, and we'd helped him for years, years. We want to help you, but you have, at some point you have to want to help yourself. And we have to do something on our, about our family. Because if we don't, we're going to, put our family in danger trying to help you. And I don't think that you want to help yourself yet. So I just felt bad. But um, so when I started listening to podcasts, first started listening to podcasts, Ed Milet was one of my favorite ones. And I think that if you go back to like 2000, 2021, that's when you, where you would find this one. But one of my all-time favorite interviews that he did was with a man named David Goggins. Do you know who that is, Remy? Yeah. I didn't know who he was until I listened to the podcast. And I was just blown away. Now, it's extremely graphic. It's very vulgar. 
if you don't like that's your warning so if you don't like that then probably don't listen to it because it's very very graphic and he he cusses and gets after it a lot but very 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 powerful holy smokes in a nutshell he had a terrible upbringing his dad abused him um i mean terrible abuse he suffered terrible terrible abuse growing up uh did he he didn't kill his dad no but i think he beat him up to the point where his dad left finally does that sound about right i thought i i thought he killed him maybe he didn't i mean because i've heard interviews on other uh, either that or he was like in the icy it was it was not a good outcome no and he was protecting his mom because he grew up in the hood his dad beat on his mom all the time he grew up in that environment witnessed it he finally got and his dad beat him and he finally got to the point where he's bigger than his dad and he couldn't take it anymore stood up for his mom and he beat the crap out of his dad and uh basically felt like he had no future or was told that he had no future because he grew up in the hood and um after high school he kind of did nothing I don't think much of anything. He said he was overweight and he joined the Marines, I believe, right? Joined the Marines. Um, he went through, I can't remember the training, but he failed some training. It was like in a submarine, the holding your breath test or something like that. He had some heart condition or something. He just got like, he had a ton of setbacks a ton and they were none of them were good but he kept pushing on and persevering let his story fuel him to become i think he's the strongest they call him like the strongest man yeah in the world and i don't know if it's necessarily strong but he can literally run 24 7. he's like this athletic crazy person who gets fueled by working out. Am I wrong? Yeah, no. His story it's, is, it's crazy. I mean, most people would have curled up and died. They would not have continued on, but he's something else. I mean, to sit down and talk to the man would be probably pretty hard because he's on it, like the mental wavelength that he is on is probably so much different and complex than ours. I don't know if you could have a normal conversation with him because I think that what he does is he fixates on something and yeah, uh, he's intense. He was like in one of the, like one of the strongman competitions too. And it's the same thing. Like he kind of glazes over when you watch him do this stuff. So that's what it is. Like he just like out of body experience. I think, I don't know. What's funny is I was watching a uh, TikTok last night. Cause I was, uh, I'm a mom. So I was laying in bed watching TikTok late at night. And, um, one of Fallon Taylor's deals came up and like, you can like her or not like her, but she is extremely successful. And she said the biggest drawback for her was looking like a fool, right? She was worried. She wanted everything to be perfect before she started. And she didn't want to look like a fool. And she goes, so now if you see me looking like a fool, trust me, I'm on my way somewhere else. Right? Like I am on my way to be more successful. And I think that's the same thing. Yeah, it's not coming out of a bad situation, but she got tired of listening to what other people said, especially when she was successful. 
So she wasn't, you know, she learned and she puts her story out there pretty much. And again, you can like her or not like her, but. Fallon for me is one of the OG storytellers. And that's and that was like, so James always watched her YouTube channel. I was like, why are you watching some barrel racer? And he's like, Remy, it's awesome. Because like when she used to do all the vlogging, like before it was a big thing, it was very genuine and true. Not that it isn't now, but like you watch those old things and she was, she showed you all the horrible parts before the good parts too. You know, and um, her story too, I, I mean, she was a high-end rodeo athlete from a very young age and was very successful. And she, I, when was that, that she won the NFR? She wasn't very old. And then remember she was a model after that and still running rodeos. And then she got in that bad wreck, which is why she yeah. wears the helmet. Been married, been divorced. Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I remember when Fallon Taylor was selling her own clothes to pay for entry fees. Yeah. Like, literally, the clothes off of her back. Um, yeah, crazy. But, you know, it's the same thing, right? She could say, oh, you know, life was rough. I, I already won the world. I don't need to do it again. And that's not, you know, she didn't sit there. And not only that, like, she's built an empire. She um, has. You can't take that away from her. I have nothing against Fallon. I, I mean, I respect the hustle that she has and, um, she's not just, a. she's just not an idea maker. She's like an idea. I mean, she just, she doesn't just come up with the ideas and sit on them. She goes through with it. She, yeah. and I love that about her that she does like, She's just not somebody who talks about it. She's a doer. Um, so I kind of have a story uh, that goes about what we're talking about today. And um, I, I know I've talked to you about them, but I, something that has made my life so much better, so much everything, and I'm so grateful for them, is I got two girls working for me now, and I love them. Um, the one helps with stalls. She helps ride horses. The other one helps with stalls, rides horses, and she homeschools my kids, which the whole, the biggest challenge of this whole piece of what we do is the homeschool. You and I have talked about this, Remy, because I want to be doing this. And the only way that we can do this is if our kids are homeschooled, basically, because I have very strong opinions and views on putting them in the public school system down here. And that's a big no for me because we're not gonna infiltrate ourselves into this community. And I don't wanna do that to them. But homeschooling is hard. Homeschooling is hard, especially when you are an ADHD mother who is not a teacher. <laughs> I'm like, we're gonna uh, figure this out. I have teaching credentials and I couldn't make it through three months of COVID shutdown, so. Um, oh yeah, I mean, it's hard. hard. It's hard, folks. Like, I've never wanted to be a homeschool family or mom, but here we are trying to do it. And um, it was just a big struggle. And then Desta came into our lives, and Desta was a homeschool child. And she's like, Breck, I will do the homeschool with you. I'm like, really? I mean, Desta's a godsend. Desta texts, I mean, she takes care of it all. She 
texts my kids. She tells them when she'll be here. She sits down. They respect her. She works with them. She communicates with the teachers. She communicates with them. It's been amazing. I mean, I'm so thankful for Dessa. If somebody asked me what's the best thing that's happened to you in the last 12 months, it's my girls, Dustin and Micah. I love them both equally. So anyhow, right before we got Desta on the homeschool wagon, la 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 la, we do breakfast here. Like every, we feed everybody breakfast like once every other week. And I don't cook it. One of the people who stays here does. We just provide the food. So I had to run to town. I'm like, the girls were working. I'm like, girls, they're making breakfast. Make sure you go get something to eat. Okay, okay. Well, I come back and Bodhi says, did you know that the one girl that works for us, she dropped out of high school. I'm dropping out. And I'm like, well, no, I did not know that, but nobody's dropping out of anything here. We've got to finish this. We're seeing it through Bodhi. And he's like, oh no, I'm, I'm not. Look at her. She's doing great. And I'm like, she is doing great, but we, we're not doing that. I'm like, shit. And he just kept saying it. Like, I'm no, I'm not going, I'm going to drop out of high school. And I'm like, no, you're not. And coming like kind of a little bit of a fight between him and I, cause he kept saying it. And he's like, so you think that she's not doing well in life? And I'm like, Oh, I never said that at all. I think she's doing fine, but doesn't work for our family Bodie. And, uh, so I'm like, great. I'm going to have to have this talk with her about this. I wasn't there for that conversation, but I need her to like smooth this over with Bodie because him and I are going to go toe to toe here pretty soon. And I don't want that. I hate confrontation folks. So her and I are out there riding one day and I was like, Hey, did you by chance tell Bodie that you dropped out of high school? And she's like, yeah, I did. And I was like, no, that's cool. That's cool. And she's like, and I go, but now I can't get him to stop talking about it. She goes, Oh, Breck, I'm so sorry. She goes, he didn't hear the first part of the conversation. I will talk with him. And I was like, you will. And she's like, yeah, he didn't hear the part that I got kicked out of my house by my stepdad. And I had no choice. That was my option. I had to quit. I had to grow up real fast. And then her and I just had this long conversation after that about what childhood looked like and it wasn't good, but she could have let her past define her and be the path to where she was going in life. And she didn't, she rose above it. And I respect that so much and love that. She had to talk with Bodhi and now dust has got him and we're back on track. Well, I think it's a, well, you know, if you left it up to Brayden, he would quit and just go to Cowboy and full-time too. And I was like, yeah, no, he did do school. But um, I was checking in with a friend of mine and same thing, because it, it doesn't always have to be a bad past, right? There's a lot of setbacks that we come across in life, marriage, divorce, children, death, all these things. Well, I was talking to a girlfriend and I, just got busy over the holidays and I didn't check in with her and I go, oh, how's it going? She goes, well, not good. I'm like, oh, okay. I go, what's up? And so she's got cancer. She got diagnosed with cancer. She thought it was nerve pain. It's cancer. Um, and 
she's always been super optimistic and she's still optimistic, but she would like never really vent before or say anything bad. And now she's just like, I don't understand how it's all happening to me at once. I was like, Oh, you know, and I, and she goes, but I don't want to burden you. And I don't want to, I don't want to make you feel bad. And I was like, I I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. You can say whatever you want to say. And then she sent me something that was like, you know, when you, when you're getting, when you, we all have a mission in life and all these big setbacks are just something trying to stop you from moving forward. And so that's what she's like, that's her new motto is like, I have a mission that I have to complete. I just don't know what it is yet, but I'm going to figure it out, you know? And same thing. She could have just curled up and let the diagnosis take her because the diagnosis was not great. She was in the hospital for like a month and a half doing chemo. So, and she, now she's home doing chemo, but it could have crippled her and you know, she's still trying to figure out how she's going to keep pushing through and keep moving forward rather than just laying there and dying. And my mom was the same way. I mean, my mom dealt with, um, a bad form of breast cancer and she's still, but she fought through it with really not ever seeming like it really affected her. I mean, it did affect her, but she just kept being positive and pushing through all the time. It's just so, yeah, that's that's hard. That's a different level of hard. My best friend is dealing with the same thing and she's been dealing with it for, I think it's going on three years now. And I just, ugh. yeah, when's enough enough? No, and it's like, you know, with your friend, I know she's going to the specialist and then you get hope and then it gets dashed. And then how do you regather after that? Like, how do you have the mental and emotional strength to not curl up in a ball and just let the darkness come for you. And then, I mean, now I think that she's done with the chemo and she develops this migraine deal and it won't let her sleep. And sleep is so important. It won't let her sleep. She can't eat anything and it's all complications of the chemo. And she's just like, you get done with one thing and now you got another thing you get to deal with. It just seems like the road is definitely uphill. No. And it's, uh, and so you see, you see people like that. And then again, like it makes your shitty day have a better perspective, oh. be, right? Cause you're like, I was the mad. Of my day is right. I, I was bad because they had the wrong kind of cucumbers at the market or, you know, my, kids beds were messy and then you see people dealing with stuff like that and you're like man and and the other thing too is what you'll find is like a lot of people that didn't have great that had some sort of trauma in their childhood or early on in life the ones that use it as a motivation even if they don't talk about it they're the first person to offer you help because they know what it's like to feel helpless and um you know and it's a and again, be the kind of person you want to see in the world. And it could, you know, and it, it does go back to you're not so important that the universe hates you, right? Like you are not so important that all these things are happening. A lot of bad ha things happen to very good people. And uh, you, it's, it's hard to understand that. And that was what my girlfriend sent me was like, you know, it's, you know, she's, she's very religious and, and she sent me a thing, you know, the devil's coming for you. Why do you think he's coming for you? 
if you weren't important, if you didn't have a mission that was to change something out there, why do you think that the world would be trying to stop what you have to give? So, you know, she's gonna, she's gonna fight it for as long as she can. And I wish she was closer because I would help her. And, you know, that makes me feel bad too, because I have someone that I love that's in pain and I can't be there physically to help them. Once again, though, like going through something like that, I know that, yeah, if you dwelled on how bad it was and all the bad shit that comes with it, I think that it's, well, it, it just becomes easy to give up and never try. And when you are like, I'm, I've got this, I'm going to beat this, and you carry that attitude into every day. It just fuels you in a much better way. To, yeah, um, it, what happens is if you have a more positive mindset, right? And that doesn't mean because I was, um, I was freaking uh, hard. I, I was uh, my friend that he sent me a, a YouTube short of Bill Burr, and he's like, everything's going to be fine. He's like, and if it's not fine. It's not worried about, you shouldn't be worried about it not being fine. Like you can deal with it when it's not fine. And I was like reading the comments underneath it and people are like, well, what if it's not fine when, and they give like this list of horrific things that are happening. And it's like, all of those things are true, you know, that it isn't great right now. But if you have a more positive mindset, then all these things are setbacks along the way and you can rest and pick up, you know, the yoke of that pain again but at least it's just a rest. You're not stopping. You're not moving backwards. You're just pausing under the weight of everything, but you're still going to move forward because you're looking for a way forward rather than looking at every negative that's out there. And trust me, the world is a truly shitty place. A lot of horrible things. I mean, a lot of horrible things happen. And so do you get consumed by the, the shit that is out there or do you try and find that light? Well, when you start to find the light, it's easier to find. And then you find people along the way that find that light with you. Agreed. Agreed. Well, super good talk this morning, Rem. Um, yeah, I just challenge you if you're one of the ones out there who has a past that you wish that you didn't, you can, it doesn't have to be your future going forward. Rewrite it, use it to fuel you to be better, to create better. So anything else for me? No, and if you're going through something bad right now, again, it still doesn't define you. It's just a moment in time. For sure. So use it, you know, use it, build it and uh, look out for your, look out for yourself and your heart out there. Well, we'll see you next week next Wednesday. Um, until then, be bold, be brave, be humble. We'll see you next week, guys. Have a good weekend, Remy. Bye. You, you too. Good luck this weekend. Thank you. <laughs> Bye.